Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. first service. Um, you guys don't know this, but, but you get the, the first and the best of everything we have to bring, right? So you're here at the right time in the right place. And, and before we jump fully into our service today, I just want to take a moment and acknowledge this weekend that we're celebrating. We are celebrating Memorial Day weekend. And for a lot of people, this is wearing red, white, and blue. This is barbecues. This is going to the beach, although it's not sunny yet. So don't worry, you're not missing anything yet. And and so a lot of people, we celebrate Memorial Day, but we don't slow down enough to remember why we celebrate Memorial Day. And I know for a fact that there is nothing good in this life that we've ever experienced that has not come without a cost. And freedom is never free. And so I want to take a moment before we start into this brand new sermon series, and I want to just take a moment and acknowledge any of you in this room who have served in our armed forces, who have served or, or maybe are currently serving. Is there anybody in this room today? Okay, nobody in this room yet? Okay, up at the top. Hey, can we give a great big hand clap, please? Right now, like as loud as first service can muster. Come on. Hey, we are so grateful for you. Everyone, there are so many different roles that are played to fight for your freedom and for my freedom. And we would not be here today if it were not for the men and the women who have given their lives, who've given their time, who have sacrificed to fight for you and for me. And so I just want to say thank you to those of you who are here. We really appreciate you. We value you. And, and we have not forgotten. So thank you, thank you. Hey, I want to take a moment and jump into a brand new sermon series. And this series you are going to love, I guarantee you. It's called The Blessed Life. And we're starting this series because Pastor Carrie and I have been in ministry now for a little over 15 years. And in our entire time in ministry, there's always been um, a central issue that has caused probably some of the most friction and conflict in relationships, in, in people's personal lives. And that topic has been the topic of finances. It seems like no matter what uh, we have counseled, we can always trace things back to an issue with finances, whether it be a frustration in marriage or in, in my personal life, or maybe for some people it's, it's a frustration with coming to church. Because we go, why why do I go to church and they're always going to talk to me about giving? I don't really understand that. And and I'm here to tell you that because this is such a a controversial subject, we as the Movement Church want to make sure that we dive in and we focus in on what God's Word says about giving. We want to talk about what God's Word says, the Bible says, about the principle of giving. And for a lot of people, they get a little bit squirmy in their seat right now. And I just want to ask you, please don't do that today. Okay? We're going to have fun, and I'm going to talk to you about the Bible. That's it. And then the rest, that's you and God. But I want to dive into what the Bible says about giving as we explore this series called The Blessed Life, because I really do believe that God's plan for you and for me is that we walk out a blessed life. 
Blessed in our relationships, blessed with our kids, blessed in our jobs, blessed in our finances. I believe that is the will of God for your life and mine. And I just want to talk about what the Bible says about that today. Are you okay with that? Well, good, because you're here and, and I'm talking. So that's good. Good. So let's do something. Let's just bow our heads and pray and, and then we'll jump into it. Jesus, I come to you right now. Thank you for what you're doing in this place. God, I thank you that you've got great things in store for us today. God, would you open our heart to what you have to say? God, I thank you uh, that you've got great plans for our finances and that your word gives us instruction that we can apply to our life. God, give me the words to say and the voice to say it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. For those of you who do not know, I have not had a voice all week long. So the advantage that you have is you can know I'm not going to yell today. It's going to be exciting. Uh, so I need you just to lean in close and make sure, make sure that you talk back to me today because if, if you don't talk back, I might wonder if you can hear me if you're actually there. So I just, I need some feedback today that's like, yeah, the, oh, I get that. Whatever you want to say. Church is an okay place to talk back. Are you with me? Okay, good. Good practice. Hey, I wanted to start by telling you a story about my daughter, Avery. I have two girls. Brooklyn is 12 and Avery is 7. And Avery, she is, Carrie calls her Olaf. She's, she loves warm hugs. She's just friendly and outgoing, and she's just, she's a great kid. I love her. But like all kids, she has been struggling recently with a specific issue, and that issue is lying. Yeah. And um, so, you know, no parent wants their child to be making stupid mistakes and have to deal with them. But it happens to all of us, doesn't it? And so the other day I sent Avery out to, to walk our dog, Lucy. And when we walk our dog, we have to take poop bags and pick up her poop, right? I mean, that's just what you do when you live in a condo. And so Avery went out to walk Lucy and she came back in and the poop bag was gone. And so, you know, I made every assumption that she'd been walked. And then Lucy, our dog, when she needs to go to the bathroom, she goes and rings this bell by the door. And so Lucy, like 10 minutes later, was ringing the bell by the door. And I was like, Avery, did you walk the dog? And she says, yes. And I said, did she go number one and number two? And Avery's like, yes. And I said, Avery, are you telling me the truth? Because she's ringing the bell to go back outside. And, and she doesn't have issues right now. So like, num did, she, did she go number one and number two? And Avery's like, yes. And then I could see this little thing in her eye. <sighs> And she's also very creative. So, you know, she likes to tell stories, and so we're working on the difference between that. And, and so I said, Avery, are you telling mom the truth? And she goes, no, she didn't go poop. And I was like, first of all, I'm very upset because she lied to me. But I'm like, put the leash on the dog, take her back outside, you know, let her do her business. So she does, and she comes back in, and I said to her, Avery, the, the bag wasn't attached to the leash when you came in the first time. What did you do with it? And she said, I threw it in the trash. And I said, so before you came in the house, you decided in your heart that you were going to be deceitful. And her eyes hung low, and she felt so badly about it. And I said, Avery, you, you are in trouble for lying to mommy, but what concerns me more is that in your heart, you made a choice to be deceitful before you chose to tell the lie. Something was going on in your heart. And we talked about it and we prayed about it. And then three days later, 
uh, uh, children. Three days later, she didn't want to go to school. And so she was telling me all morning, throwing herself on the bed, and I don't want to go to school, and my stomach hurts. And I'm like, babe, you're fine. Push through it. You're going to be okay. And she's like, well, I'll just call you in the middle of the day if my stomach hurts. And I said, no, don't call me. Just push through it. And so I'm I'm not a mean parent, okay? Like, she just needed to go to school. And so she gets to school about 10.30 that day. I get a phone call from the office. I have Avery here in the office, and she has a stomachache, and I'm like, she's fine. And, uh, and they, they say, well, you know, do you want to talk to her? Yes, let us talk to her. So both Carrie and I get on the phone and talk to her, and we're like, Avery, does your stomach really hurt? Yes, it hurts really bad. Okay, what does it feel like? feels like I'm going to throw up. <sighs> have you thrown up? No. Okay, if you throw up, call us back. Go back to class right? So two hours later, 1230, get a call from the nurse. Hey, I have Avery here. This is a voicemail. I have Avery here, and she says that she threw up in the bathroom, and I was like, oh. Hey, and if you guys tell my child that I told this full story, I'm coming after you. You cannot repeat this. This is between me and first service right now, okay? And so, so Avery did not throw up in the bathroom, we found out. She came home from school, and she was in big trouble, and, and her dad came in to talk to her, and, and, and we sat down, and we said, Avery, this is a problem inside your heart, and Carrie brought in this big glass of water and a little cup of dirt, and he said, you know, sometimes we tell little lies, and he sprinkled a little dirt in, and, it, and it's just a little lie. Maybe it doesn't affect anybody. See, I can still drink this water. And then we tell some more little lies because we've gotten used to it, and you can't really even see it that much. See, I can still drink this water. And, and he goes, but then those little lies turn into big lies, and he dumps the whole thing of dirt into the water, and it gets all dirty and nasty. And he goes, do you want to drink this water? She's like, no. And he's like, neither do I. Because our heart matters so much. It matters in our interactions with people, and it really matters in our interaction with God. The heart matters. 1 Samuel 7, 16 says, For the Lord sees, not as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but listen, the Lord looks on the heart. God cares about our heart. That is his first and foremost, like it is his primary concern. God cares about our heart. I want to look at a couple passages of scripture that talk about this today. If you have an actual physical Bible, you can open it up. If you have it on your cell phone, you can do that too, or you can just follow along on the screen. But I'm going to look at two um, parallel scriptures today. One is found in Matthew 7, and one is found in Luke chapter 6. So I want you to look with me at Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 and 2. And it says this, Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment that you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Judge not that you will not be judged. This is an issue of the heart, right? Judgment comes from the heart. The Bible says that wicked thoughts, they come from the heart. So it's saying, judge not that you won't be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. This is talking about a condition of the heart. I want you to help me right now and commit the first part of that verse and the last part of that verse to short-term memory. Are you ready? Okay, so I want you to repeat after me. Judge not that you not be judged. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Okay, good. Hold on to that. Let's go to Luke chapter 6, verse 37 and 38. Let's look at the first part and the last part. So people on the slides, you might have to help me with this, okay? So let's look at the first part. It says, judge not, and you will not be judged. Skip all the way to the end. 
There we go. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Are these the same verse? Yes, this is the same verse because this scripture found in Matthew and the scripture found in Luke, these are parallel verses of Jesus and he's teaching the people about an issue of the heart, right? Judge not and you will not be judged. This is an issue of the heart. With the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, what I don't want us to miss is the in-between of that verse. So let's go in and let's look at that whole thing again. Luke 6, 37. Judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. You've heard this one before, haven't you? Pressed down, shaken together, running over, it will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Hey, there's an awful lot of preaching about this verse. In fact, we hear this verse, give and it will be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, it will be poured into your lap. For with the same measure you give, it will be measured back to you. We've heard this verse a lot and we hear it a lot concerning money, don't we? But we can, we can put money into this verse and we can talk about money in correlation with this verse, but I'm afraid that if we just do that, we're going to miss the very point that Jesus is trying to make because Jesus is talking here about an issue of the heart. He's talking about an issue of the heart. That's why he starts with judge not. Watch your thoughts. Judge not that you won't be judged. Condemn that you won't be condemned. Hey, he says, forgive and you will be forgiven. Do you know the root word of forgive is give? And the word for means in favor of. So if I am in favor of giving, I can forgive. But guess what? People who have a hard time forgiving have a hard time with giving. It's all about the heart. God's talking about the condition of our heart. Give and it will be given to you. You can fill in that it with anything you want it to be. Give judgment and judgment will be given to you. Give condemnation and condemnation will be given to you. Give forgiveness and forgiveness will be given to you. You can fill in the it with anything you want. In church, we talk about give a dollar and God will return $10, right? Because God always does above and beyond. And that's true. That's God's economy. He says, give and it will be given to you. It's God's economy, but you can fill in the blank with anything you want to. You know, the other day, my kids are five years apart, and, and I wouldn't think they would have that much to fight about, <laughs> but they do. And so the other day, Brooklyn comes running into the room, and she has had it with Avery. And she goes, Mom, Avery is being so rude to me. She is talking so rudely, I cannot handle it anymore. And Avery comes running in the room, all tears and a mess, but you don't know what she did. And she's like whining and crying, and Brooklyn turns and looks at her and goes, you're so rude, and just snaps at her. And I'm like, I think I know why she's rude to you. Because you are so rude to her. <laughs> Give harshness, and it will be given back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over, right? Sometimes we wonder why our kids act the way they act. But the other day, we're cleaning up after dinner, and the girls are goofing around, and I'm like, girls, cut it out right now. 
And then I'm like, why, why are they yelling at each other? Well, because I'm yelling at them. Give and it will be given to you. You see, this verse applies to our lives in so many ways, and it can be a great verse. It can be a great verse, but it depends on what you give. <laughs> give judgment. Judgment will be given to you. Give gossip. Gossip will be given to you. Give love. Love will be given to you. Give compassion. Compassion will be given to you. Give chocolate. I mean, I'm just saying, maybe that's an idea for somebody in here this morning. I don't know. But listen, what God's saying is it's all about the heart. It is all about the heart. Every single one of us in this room has a giving problem at some point or another in our life. Every single one of us has a giving problem at some point in our life. But really, we have a heart issue. See, when God gets a hold of our heart fully and completely, he will also get a hold of our wallet fully and completely. It's a heart thing. It's all about the heart. Let's look at Deuteronomy 15, verse 7 through 8. And it says this. If there's among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates of your land, which the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your what? Heart, nor shut your hand from the poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly, hey, to be willing to do something, that's an issue of the heart, willingly lend to him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. This is an issue of the heart. And what I want to give you today are four things to develop the heart that God wants us to have. If you have a desire to be a giver, I want to encourage you. These are four things to develop the kind of heart that God intends for us to have. And number one, if you're taking notes, which is a great thing to do, by the way. Number one is this deal with a selfish heart. If we want to have the kind of heart that God wants us to have, the first thing we have to do is deal with a selfish heart. Look in Deuteronomy 15 verse 9. And the scripture goes on to read this. Beware, lest there be a wicked thought in your heart. Beware, lest there be a wicked thought in your heart. And you're going to find here that this word wicked, he's referring to selfishness. Selfishness is the same as wickedness. Beware, lest there be a wicked thought in your heart, saying, the seventh year, the year of release, is at hand. And your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing. And he cry out to the Lord against you, and it become sin among you. Now, I'm going to explain this to you a little bit, but what this scripture is saying is that wickedness, that selfishness is actually sin. We've got to deal with a selfish heart. You see, when this scripture was written in Deuteronomy, the system that God had implemented in Israel to take care of his people was he had implemented this seven-year system. That every seven years, there would be a year of jubilee, a year of release. And God had spoken to the people and said, if your brother comes to you and says, let's, let's just put it in, in a real life example. Hey, I'm struggling. I, I can't pay my bills this month. I don't have food to feed my family. Can I borrow from you so that I can take care of my family and pay my bills? Well, God set up an economy to help take care of his people. And he said, lend to them. Don't have a wicked thought. Give to them freely. Lend to them. And, and then they can repay you, right? He's saying, go ahead and do this. But God set up this economy that every seven years there would be a year of jubilee, 
a year of release. And what that meant was every seven years, every debt would be erased. How many of you want to re-implement that into society today? Amen. God knows what he's doing. That's all I have to say. So this scripture is written to the people saying, hey, listen, if someone comes to you and says, I'm struggling, I can't pay my bills, I don't have food to feed my family, can you help me? It's saying, don't let the wicked thought, the selfish thought come to your mind, hmm, what year is this? Oh gosh, we're, we're only 18 months away from uh, the year of Jubilee and, and maybe he won't get that money back in time to repay me, so I may never see this again, so maybe I shouldn't lend to him. no. God's saying, don't let that selfish thought, that wicked thought come to your mind. God wants to eliminate selfishness in our lives. Say, no, don't you think about when the year of Jubilee is. You just focus on being generous, right, and giving. God wants to eliminate selfishness from your life and my life. This is his plan. He's saying, we've got to deal with this selfish heart. Hey, why do you think, I've asked this question to a few people, why do you think that God created giving? Hmm. I've heard lots of, lots of answers. Some people say, well, you know, to take care of the poor and the hurting. Some say, well, to provide for the church. And while these are all great answers, hey, guess what? God doesn't need your money. In case you've forgotten, the Bible says God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It says the earth is the, Lord and the, the Lord's and the fullness thereof. God doesn't need our money. He did not implement giving for his sake. Okay? He owns it all. It's his in the first place. God implemented giving for your sake and for my sake to work selfishness and greed out of our lives because he knows how important the heart is. God implemented giving so that he could deal with the selfishness and deal with the wickedness inside of me and inside of you so that our hearts could be pure before him. That's why God implemented giving. So the first thing to have the kind of heart that God wants is we have got to deal with a selfish heart. Going back to Luke 6:38, where it says this, give and it will be given to you. While I love that scripture, the problem I have with it is that so many times it's taught, give and it will be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. Hey, listen, so many times it's teaching us to think, give and you'll get Give and you'll get, give and you'll get. It's working selfishness back into our lives. That's not the idea. It's not about give and you'll get. That's not why Jesus put that in there. Luke 6.38 is not our motive for giving. It's the reward for giving with the right heart. It's not our motive. It's the reward. Listen, God implemented giving to deal with our hearts. He really wants our hearts. Number two. We've got to deal with a grieving heart. Deal with a grieving heart. Deuteronomy chapter 15 verse 10 says this. You shall surely give to him and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him. Because for this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all your works into everything to which you put your hand. Listen, he's saying don't grieve when you give. Because in this thing, God will bless you. He wants to bless you in all of your works, in everything you put your hand to. How many of you would love to live a blessed life? Hey, listen, I want to live a blessed life. And this scripture is saying, deal with a grieving heart. Don't grieve when you give. Why? Because in this heart attitude, God will bless you. 
And not just bless your finances. He's saying he'll bless you in every area of your life, in your job, in your marriage, with your children, in your relationships. I want to live a blessed life. And God's saying the key to this is having a heart that is willing to just give, to just give. We're all born selfish, every single one of us. We just simply need a heart change. We need to be born again generous. And God gives us the keys to that. You know, here I am talking about uh, money and giving, and I just realized that I left my wallet at home, and I don't have money for lunch, and I'm supposed to be taking people out to lunch. So that, oh, Tanner, Tanner, that is so generous of you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate that. Look at that. A teenager. You are such an awesome teen, Tanner. Look at that. Oh, I'm going to a nice lunch today. Tanner, you are awesome. 20, 40, 60, 80, $100. Who wants to go to lunch with me? Thank you, Tanner. That is so awesome. You want to talk about that, don't you? Why was it so easy for Tanner to come up here and give me this $100? Because it's not his. I gave it to him before church started. It's mine. I don't think Tanner's grieving over this money, are you? Okay, good, good. No, this is mine. I, I just gave it to Tanner to hold on to for a little while. He's not grieving over it because it wasn't his in the first place. It was mine. He doesn't have anything to grieve about. Hey, listen, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. We've got to deal with a grieving heart. And we deal with a grieving heart by realizing it was never mine in the first place. Everything that's been placed in my hands, everything that God has trusted me with, it was never mine in the first place. It's always been his. When we get that concept, it's never hard to give it back. The third thing we've got to do, and we're going to go from dealing with something to developing something. The third thing is to develop a generous heart. Deuteronomy 15, chapter 14 says this, You shall supply him liberally from your flock and from your threshing floor and from your wine press. From what the Lord your God has blessed you with, you shall give to him. Hey, listen, liberal means generous. And generous means readiness to give more of something. So giving is one thing, but developing a generous heart, that means I'm willing to do more than what is expected, right? Developing a generous heart says I'm willing to do more than what's expected. When we give, we should give more than the need. One of my favorite things we do every year in November and December is our Give Hope offering. And the first year we did this, we, we had take care of our children here in the Movement Church, children in our community, and children overseas in Africa. And we got a Christmas wish list from some of the kids in an elementary school in the local area who weren't going to get anything for Christmas. And one of the little girls had written down some simple things on her list, like a pair of socks, a Barbie doll, a dollhouse. Those are her three things. And I went shopping, and I was like, oh, we're not just going to get a dollhouse. We're going to get the biggest dollhouse that she has ever seen. In, her. in fact, she's going to be able to climb in the dollhouse. 
So I went searching for a dollhouse. I couldn't even fit it in my car. I had to get another truck to bring the dollhouse home to deliver it to this little girl's house. Why? Because when we're generous, it means we don't just give what is expected or what is asked. We go above and beyond, living a generous life. Let's look in Luke chapter in Luke chapter 6, verse 30 through 38, we looked at the end of this. Let's look at the beginning about how God is talking to us about our hearts. He says, listen, give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask for them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them. That's the golden rule, guys. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But listen, love your enemies. Do good. Do good to those who hurt you. I may be reading wrong. Let's see. Love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great. Hey, listen, this is just talking about our heart. It's just specifically addressing our heart. And you will be the sons of the Most High. What does that mean? You'll be like your dad. For he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your father is merciful. What is the same? Let's develop a heart that's like our dad that's like God. And let me just elaborate for you that part of the verse that says he's kind to the unthankful and the evil. That's me and you. We are the unthankful and the evil. You and me. And you may be going, no, 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 Megan, I'm thankful. Well, you are now. But the Bible says while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We have been unthankful. We have been evil. And it says that in all of his mercy, that God gave his only son, Jesus, for you and for me to give his life on that cross to forgive us of our sins. And here we have a God who's willing to forgive us. Remember what that root word is? Give to us more than we deserve more than we could ever ask for, more than we could ever earn, but yet we have a problem with giving. God wants us to develop an understanding of a generous heart. And the last thing he wants from us is for us to develop a grateful heart, a grateful heart. Deuteronomy 15, 15 says, listen, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and that the Lord your God redeemed you Therefore, I command you this thing today. Listen, this is just simply a reminder to you and me. Let's not forget what God has done for us. Let's develop a grateful heart. Generosity stems from gratefulness, from realizing I've done nothing and I could do nothing to earn any of this. But God, you have been faithful to me. You know, my husband, Carrie, is one of the most generous people I know. And sometimes it has been a challenge for me because God has had to work on my selfish heart. He's always been the most generous person I know. If you go to lunch with him, I guarantee you he will probably try to, to pay for the bill. All of you are going to be trying to sign up for lunch with us. I know this is going to happen. <laughs> Why? Because he's got this generous heart. He always wants to go above and beyond for everybody. 
He's always been a giver. And it has always been a little bit hard for me. And I'm just being honest with you. I've had to deal with a selfish and a grieving heart. But I've learned to trust my husband. And you know something? He teases me. In fact, he elbows me now and then whenever we have this incredible blessing come into our life. And he goes, you know we're blessed because I'm a giver. (laughs) And while I get so annoyed with him, it's true. I reap the blessing because my husband is so generous. I will never forget him wanting an iPad so badly when they first came out. I'm going to go a few minutes over. Y'all just, my clock's ticking away. Y'all just bear with me. I will never forget sitting in front of the Apple store. And Carrie had been saving for six months. This is when we still lived in Arizona. He'd been saving for an iPad when they first came out. And we're sitting in front of the Apple store. We're about to go in and buy the iPad. And he stopped everything we were doing, and he looked at me, and he said, Megan, I need to talk to you about something. It's always scary. <laughs> and, and he said, I think I'm supposed to buy this iPad for Pastor Dave, who was our pastor at the time. And I said, okay. <laughs> well, babe, you feel like God's telling you that? And he said, I really do. How can I argue with God? And so... I said, okay. And I said, well, you've been saving for this for six months. You're going to probably have to save again because we can't just, you know, buy two iPads today. And he's like, I know, but I really feel like this is what we're supposed to do. And I said, okay. So he got out of the car and went in the store to buy the iPad. And I sat in the car and I thought, God, I watch my husband give away things that he has worked hard for all the time. He'll take watches off his body and give them to people who just say that they like them. He, he's so generous. And I said, God, he really wanted this. Why would you ask him to give it to Pastor Dave? I love Pastor Dave, but why? would why? <laughs> telling you, God's had to work on my heart. And, and he got back in the car, and we drove to Pastor Dave's house, and, and we had the key to get in. They were out of town, and we went, and we put it on his desk with a note. And, uh, and later just found out how blown away and how blessed our pastor was with that gift. And, and I've, I've never enjoyed giving something so much because it was just this moment where it was like God, God asked us to do something and we were obedient. Let me just really quickly fast forward. Luke 6, 36 through 38, give and it will be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, it will be poured into your lap. For with the same measure you give, it will be measured back to you. You know, about a year and a half later, when God told us it was time to come and plant the movement church, to move from Arizona to California where we didn't know anybody, and to start a church, Pastor Dave and Cherie came and they said, we want you to know we're behind you. And we're not just behind you with our words. We're going to pay for your salary for the first year and even into the second year, whatever it takes to help you accomplish the dream that's in your heart. We didn't give an iPad so that we could receive a salary. We gave an iPad because God said to. But I believe God's principles, his economy, it never fails. Give and it will be given to you. 
pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Two-year salary is a lot of iPads. God is so faithful to take care of us when we're obedient to him. We've got to deal with our selfish hearts, deal with our grieving hearts. We've got to develop a generous heart that says, I'm willing to give above and beyond because I've been blessed. Develop a grateful heart. You know, the reason my husband is such a giver is because he has never gotten over being saved. He has never gotten over it. He knows how much God has saved him from. He knows how blessed he is, and he has never forgotten how blessed he is. So it's never hard for him to give. Listen, I think that God wants to do something in this place today. Because remember, God doesn't look at what man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord, he looks at the heart. And I believe God wants to deal with our hearts in this place today. And I don't have a lot of time left, but, but I'm going to share this with you because some of you are sitting in these seats and, and this is brand new to you. And maybe you haven't had a relationship with God and, and maybe you've been struggling to even know if he's real. Maybe you feel a little bit of a separation from God. And the Bible would explain that to us. It would tell us, yes, that's real because it's a sin gap. Sin separates us from God. In fact, the Bible says that the punishment of sin is death and an eternity in hell. But then the Bible says, but the gift of God, hey, the generous, free gift of God is eternal life. And it says if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. It's available to you and to me. We don't have to do anything to earn that. And maybe you're in the room today and you've never made a decision to surrender your life to Christ. Hey, today is your day. It's time to get started. But I also want to talk to those of you who are in the room who maybe need to deal with a selfish or a grieving heart. This last week and a half, I've been so sick. I've never been this sick before in my life, and it's so frustrating. My throat was swollen so huge, I had to go to urgent care. It was affecting the whole side of my face. They put me on steroids to bring the swelling down, and then they, they gave me antibiotics, and three days later, nothing was working, and I was in so much pain. And so I went to an ENT, and, and he looked at my, my throat, and he said, you know, I can't see it, but I think there might be an abscess behind your tonsil. So I need to do a procedure right now in this chair to go in and cut, cut your tonsil to remove it. And I was freaking out a little bit. So he did the whole procedure. And I'll spare you those details and went in and cut behind my tonsil. And there was an abscess that no one could see full of pus and just grossness. And he cleaned it all out. But you couldn't see it. See, on the outside of our lives, what people see we can misdiagnose what's going on. And maybe you're here today and you don't have an issue with giving, but there's some other stuff going on in your life. And I just want to remind you, it doesn't matter what anybody else sees. Sometimes we look at all the surface stuff that's happening. We look at the circumstances that we're up against. We look at the relationships where we're just butting heads. We look at our financial situation where we're frustrated and we get overwhelmed about the circumstances and we misdiagnose what the real problem is. 
Because underneath the surface, there could be something festering that needs to be dealt with. Just like this thing that was behind my tonsil that nobody could see until the doctor got in there and cut it out. That's an issue of the heart. And I believe God wants to speak to your heart today. What is he saying to you? What are the things that maybe God just wants to get in and deal with and clean out so that there's no more infection, so that it doesn't affect the rest of your body? And hey, listen, it's not comfortable. It's going to require sacrifice. It's going to require doing something you don't want to do. I did not want to sit in that chair and turn my head and let him numb my tonsil and slip behind it to get an abscess, but I knew it was necessary. And it relieved me of so much pressure. But listen, it still hurts a little bit. And when God starts working in areas of our life and our heart, it's going to hurt a little bit. It's going to be a little bit of a sacrifice. And there's no one in this room who's exempt from this. Not me, not you. It doesn't matter how long we've been a Christian or followed God. Little things work their way into our life that God just says, hey, I just want to deal with that thing. Whatever it might be. And I just want to challenge you that today's the day. Don't walk out of here the same. Let God pinpoint what that thing is in your heart that he needs to deal with. And then give it to him, no matter what the cost no matter how bad it hurts, no matter what kind of a sacrifice it is, just let God do what he can do. Amen? I'm gonna ask you to do me a favor. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes because there's some of you in this room who have never made a decision to give your life to Christ and I wanna invite you to do that right now. Don't walk out of this room the same. Today is your day. And I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm not going to ask you to get out of your seat. I'm not going to ask you to pray out loud. But I am just going to ask you today, would you pray this prayer with me in your own heart? If that's you, if you have never made a decision to give your life to Christ, or listen, maybe you've just been running from God and it's time to come back. Would you pray this prayer with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Dear Jesus, thank you for what you did on that cross. Thank you for giving your life to pay the penalty for my sin. Would you forgive me? Today, I decide to commit my life to you. And all around this room, if that's you, just say these words in your own heart. Jesus, I give you my life. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.